This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Goslin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network on Yahoo Sports Radio. Before we get started, we'd like to welcome our Southern California audience. Compliments in the mighty 1090 in San Diego. We've had several chargers on the Talk of Fame Network in the past years, you probably know, including Lance Allworth three weeks ago, and guarantee we're going to have more past and present in the future. But anyway, it's good to be in San Diego or anywhere. Ron, you don't have to shovel out this winter. <laughs> it's also good to have the last of our six-part out-of-their-league series, which we do today, with former NFL Europe quarterbacks Brad Johnson and Jake DeLoma's guests, Kurt Warner for a cameo, and an appearance by Rod Smart. Rod's name doesn't ring a bell. Maybe this will. He hate me. Yes, he hate me from the XFL will be here, too. We'll also hear why Morton Anderson should be in the hall, get a weekly update on our Hall of Fame and shame candidates, and have Rick narrow the Super Bowl field yet again. But first, let's go to what's happening around the league. What's happening is the AFC East. Anybody notice it's unbeaten after one week of play? Clark, the Dolphins play the Redskins. The Jets play the Browns. Who's doing the scheduling out east of these teams? Baylor? The East has <laughs> proven it can beat the cupcakes, but you don't get to feast on 16 weeks of cupcakes in the NFL. The Patriots beat the Steelers, Goose. No cupcakes. Yeah. You said 4-0. No. I, I thought you were talking all four of the teams. <laughs> I didn't understand. That there were, he there confused were two you. good wins and two cupcakes. Clark Judge, he confused you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ron, you cover one of those unbeaten teams. Hey, yep. Clark, there's only one team in the East in your mind, so why are we talking about this? I don't know. Well, let's talk about them right now, the Patriots. That's the team <laughs> that Ron covers. And I guess we're going to find Until out. Until they lose, pa- Ghost, then, then they'll be on somebody else's bandwagon. You know how that is. No, no. I'm on this bandwagon. Always have been since 2001. Oh, that's the time. Oh, that, that was pretty easy. Over. How about yeah. 1998? No. I wasn't Where there. were I was you then? The San Francisco 49ers on that bandwagon. Hey, we going to find out how competitive this division really is this weekend when they played the uh, Buffalo Bills? Yeah, uh, I, I think so. You know, they uh, Brady is something like I think he's uh, nine and four against Rex Ryan overall. You know, and he started off solely. He was one and two in his first three games. He completed only about fifty-seven percent of his throws. He had a lot of trouble against Ryan's defenses. He had three touchdowns and three interceptions in those games. Uh, and then after that, he just took off. He, he had, uh, I think, in the remainder of those games. Through 20 touchdown passes with five interceptions. Now, some of those games were still close, and there's no question that Ryan's defenses have probably given him as much trouble as anybody else uh, in football. And he admits that he hates playing them. He has a headache by the end of the game because Rex is always doing something. But it is going to be a measure of what uh, the Bills are because right. they're trying to win with a young quarterback who has to accept the fact that he's not there to win the game. He's there to not lose the game. Yeah, plus, Ronnie, Buffalo's 3-23 and against Brady. Well, yeah. I mean, if you go all the way back to before Rex was, uh, uh, if, if you go back against Buffalo, right? But a lot of those Buffalo teams were terrible. So I, I don't. I, I look at it more as Rex against Brady, which is a little bit closer. Uh, although Brady still has the ups on. Okay, Goose. Quick question for you here, because I want to move on. I, I've always said that everyone else is playing for second, as long as Brady's along in that division, around in that division. Do we have another playoff team from this division? Yeah, keep an eye on Miami. 
this is a quarterback league, and Miami's got the quarterback. Ryan Tannehill threw for 4,000 yards last year, and this is the best supporting cast that the Dolphins have ever given him. You know, I, I believe the – if I'm maybe correct by wrong, Ron, I believe the Dolphins beat the Super Bowl champ last year. You I know, believe they I did. It'll be, it'll be a little yeah. more difficult to squish the fish this season, even for Tom Brady. In a game that didn't matter. Hey, um, speaking of – They all matter. Speaking of, yeah, the only one that matters is the one we're talking about, the Super Bowl, guys, and New England won that. Hey, listen, speaking of two playoff teams. Actually, uh, Seattle lost it, but that's all right. Well, depends on where you're from. your Giants Uh, lost it. Oh, you're from New England. We have the NFC Championship game, Rewind and Green Bay Sunday, Packers, Seahawks. Who wins that, and and which of these two goes the farthest this year? Well, the two best home fields in the NFC are Green Bay and Seattle. I believe this game is in Green Bay, so I believe in the Packers. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers feels there's a little unfinished business left over from last January. And they had the tiebreaker. I think Green Bay goes farther. Yeah, I like the Packers in this one, too. You know, friend of the show, Mike McCarthy, has begged his uh, players to not try to win last year's playoff game on Sunday. But I think he can just about forget that because none of those players that played in that game are going to forget what happened last year. I like the Packers in this game, too. Yeah, I like the Packers, too, and I like where we're going, guys. We're going to commercial, but stay where you are. When we return, we'll sit down with former quarterback Jake DeLome and hear what it's like to play football in another country. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. Within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. And now, a touching moment while staying in touch with Geico. It was a warm summer day. I was just sitting on a porch watching a babbling brook roll by. Then, out of the blue, I got an update from my Geico app saying my claim had been processed. I felt so connected to nature, to Geico. (laughs) I stayed there the whole afternoon until that guy told me to stop trespassing on his porch. Sheesh, what was his problem? Claim status updates, just a few taps away on the Geico app. This is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank hearing pitches from small businesses. Now, there is a new way for small businesses to get a loan in minutes. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Just fill out the application online. You'll get an instant decision and could have access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No waiting, no hassle. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and is a Forbes Top 100 company. Go to Cabbage.com, that's Cabbage with a K, K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE. Hi, Tom Bodette. Apparently, it's not enough to go on a weekend jog. Nowadays, so-called fun runs have barbed wire, mud bogs, and flaming hoops. Can poison blow darts be far behind? But Motel 6 is a safe stop in the long or short run. Always a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Book online at motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Ow, was that a blow? Not all barbecues are the same. Not all guitar licks are the same. Not all motor oils are the same either. Valvoline Full Synthetic High Mileage with Max Life Technology actually is different. It's the superior protection of synthetic for cars over 75,000 miles. But don't just believe us. See for yourself at seeadifference.com. Valvoline, 140 years under the hood. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Goslin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coast with him. Can't do it. On Yahoo Sports Radio. I want winners. Well, our first guest is a winner. 
He's the all-time leading passer of the Carolina Panthers and a quarterback whose chance might never have come were it not for NFL Europe. Jake DeLome took a team to the World Bowl before he ever took the Panthers to the Super Bowl and drafted out of Louisiana Lafayette in 1997. Jake signed with New Orleans but didn't throw an NFL pass for three years. Instead, the Saints shipped him off to NFL Europe for consecutive springs where he served as a backup quarterback for the Amsterdam Admirals in 1998 and a starting quarterback for the NFL Europe champion Frankfurt Galaxy in 1999. He spent the next four seasons as a backup for the Saints before signing with Carolina in 2003. You know what happened there. He took the Panthers to the Super Bowl. Jake DeLome, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Jake, your first year in Europe was an interesting one, both from a culture and a football standpoint. You know, Let's start with the cultural perspective. Amsterdam, and then Frankfurt is a long way from your hometown of Brobridge, Louisiana. What was the most difficult part of your adjustment playing halfway around the world? I think the biggest thing was probably uh, the food and the pregame meals and things of that nature. Uh, you're used to eating um, you know, certain types of food and things of that nature, so you're, you're kind of adjusting to their culture. But, I mean, literally, as I know in Frankfurt, we'd have supposedly have like big chicken breasts before games and, and a few other things is the french fries and i vividly remember the chicken breast being just not cooked so most of us would eat just french fries before we go <laughs> play a game so that was a uh, a big adjustment it was not one that we wanted so to speak but uh we just had to make do and adjust so we did eat some of the um some of the food uh, that is you know for those cultures that, that they eat and things like that but we're very spoiled i know from for me coming from uh, the United States, and also comes from Louisiana, where we like to think that we uh, we cook pretty well. So that was somewhat of an adjustment, I will say. What, they didn't have gumbo <laughs> over there? No, unfortunately, they did not have gumbo. And if they would have uh, had that on the menu, I'm not quite sure I would have uh, even even tried it. I would I would have tried to play it safe. <laughs> well, I could verify the food's good in Louisiana because I've gotten fat eating it, that's for sure, over the years. But... I'm wondering, uh, you know, your first spring in, in Amsterdam, you spent the season as a backup to another small college uh, unknown quarterback, Kurt Warner. I'm wondering how did competing with Warner benefit you, and did you see in him at that time what the NFL would see actually a short time later? Well, I was probably maybe not smart enough to know exactly what I was seeing uh, maybe at that time. Uh, I was 21 years old. Maybe I had just turned 22. But I knew I, I was playing with a quarterback, one that was a fantastic person, first and foremost, but choose someone that was extremely, extremely accurate with the football and would make very quick decisions. And that was something that I was always very impressed with with Kirk. But what made me impressed, so impressed with him even more is that he never blinked uh, during the course of a game. There was never a time when that if a receiver, every other series in NFL Europe, you have to play a national player. So we would have our national player was one of our receivers. And so you know, his skill level was a little bit less than some of the other players. And I vividly remember Kurt throwing an interception on a glance on a skinny post. And the receiver didn't break and come across the defender's face. And it was it was the right read. It was Everything was supposed to be there. And the, guy, the receiver just didn't do it. Well, fast forward about four series later, the play is dialed up again. It's that same exact player in the game. Well, sure enough, Kurt never hesitated one bit. And that was the read, and he made the throw and hit the guy directly between the numbers. And that was just kind of like, hey, there was no fear in Kirk. This is what you're supposed to do. This You're going to do it, and I'm going to throw it. You know, so he wasn't afraid to make the big throw in the big, in, in the big spot 
uh, during the course of the game. We're with Jake DeLome on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Jake, uh, you started in your second season with Fran- Frankfurt. Uh, I think, actually, you split time with former Cal star Pat Barnes. But I'm just wondering, how important was it for you to, to finally get on a pro football field and to take some snaps and really throw passes in a game situation? It was huge. You know, uh, in the NFL, there's five linemen play at one time. You can have two running backs on the field one time, two tight ends. Uh, you know, obviously you can go with, you know, four wide receivers, but it's obviously only one quarterback. And that's the biggest thing I know for myself. It was just getting reps. Um, and that's something that NFL Europe, I was able to play in two-minute situations before the half, two-minute situations at the end of the game, bleeding the clock on a four-minute situation when you have the lead at the end of the game. All those little things that go into it, uh, when to use certain hard count, hard count procedures uh, on, on a third and four, a crucial point in the game, and, and things like that. Those are all the little nuances that a quarterback can work on his craft. And that's what NFL Europe allowed someone like myself to do because my reps were few and far between when I was back in the States with the Saints. So I was the third slash fourth guy on the roster. So it wasn't like I was getting a ton of reps in practice and in the preseason anyway. Jake, you threw a touchdown pass to help Frankfurt beat Barcelona 38-24 in the 1999 World Bowl before a crowd of almost 40,000 in Dusseldorf. How important was that game and that achievement in your development as a pro quarterback? Well, I think the biggest thing, it was that was the end of the year. You know, it was for the World Bowl Championship. You know, what does that mean? Well, I know for us, it meant we were going to win our league. You know, so it was the most important game because it was the last game and we were playing. Um, so, I mean, I think that's how we approached it. And uh, obviously, there was a very good crowd there for NFL Europe standards. Um, and I was able to, you know, have a pretty good game along with Pat. And we were able to win the World Bowl. So, it just kind of helps. You want to win anytime you play something. And that was just a, a part of the, uh, I guess, maturation process for myself as a quarterback. It's being a part of a champion and part of a winner. I wonder if you could compare uh, for us, Jake, uh, playing in that game, the World Bowl game, you're playing for the championship of the league that you're in at that moment. And uh, not that much later in the year, uh, you're starting in the NFL and you're beating the Cowboys' ears back. Could you compare those two at all for, for a young guy like you were? Well, I think the biggest thing was that – well. Look, the speed of the game is different. You know, NFL Europe, I, I'd always equate it to, you know, in essence, like um, I would say more so the fourth quarter of an NFL preseason game when you have a lot of the, the guys trying to make the team and uh, some guys that will never make it in the NFL uh, and then other guys that will, will make it in the NFL. So it's kind of a kind of a mixed match of, uh, of players. But uh, but being able to play a little later on in that year, starting a game against the Cowboys, which uh, – you know, they still had some solid players. Darren Woodson was a safety. Dion was still one of the cornerbacks and, and things like that. So um, I know it was it was huge for me to get an opportunity to play and uh, we were able to have a good game that day and, uh, and beat Dallas because we certainly were not a good football team in New Orleans. We were 2-12 and 12 going into that game. And Dallas actually uh, was still uh, in the hunt for the playoffs. So they had something to play for and we didn't. But I think the biggest thing you just learn, hey, it's just football. But I was surrounded by better players, uh, you know, around me than I was at NFL Europe, you know, six, seven, eight months prior to that. We talked with former quarterback Jake DeLoma on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Jake, I want to go to the 2003 season and the Super Bowl that completed that season when you took the Panthers into that game against New England. Do you find it ironic that when you finally got there that you took that team, and meaning the 2003 Panthers, to a game that they'd never been to and they haven't been to since. But when you got there, you got beaten 
by another NFL Europe alum, and that would be Adam Vinatieri with the game-winning field goal? You know, it's funny you say that. I uh, you, you forget Adam Vinatieri was an NFL you know, Europe alum because uh, he's been kicking for so long. But, uh, you know, I always both NFL Europe guys because, um, you know, we were one of the ones, I think it was a, it's a very small fraternity of guys that basically were saying, listen, you're not good enough. Go play minor league, you know, and we'll give you a little shot. Uh, and that's kind of the mentality I think most of us had that, Went over to NFL Europe, but uh, but certainly there was one time I wanted him to at least shank one kick in a big situation, but uh, that's something that he doesn't believe in doing. So, uh, um, you know, I guess now that I look back, you know, 12 years later since that season, um, you know, happy for his success. But gosh, it would have been nice to at least miss one in uh, in in, uh, in, uh, in crunch time. Jake, we mentioned Kurt Warner, Brad Johnson also came out of the NFL Europe to win a Super Bowl. You became a Pro Bowl quarterback, and both John Kitten and Scott Mitchell became accomplished starters in the NFL. Do you think there is, is there still a need for a league like NFL Europe to develop specifically young quarterbacks? I truly believe, Rick. I, I, um, I think when you watch today, I know the college game. The college game is so different uh, than from when I played, you know, 20 years ago, uh, 18 years ago, whatever it may be. You know, uh, this zone read stuff that the NFL, there's some success. It, it doesn't truly translate. All these quarterbacks that are very successful in college, they struggle mightily uh, in the pro game. I just think the passing uh, the passing game for these guys, everything is just this quick hitter, this quick hurry up, take the snap, throw. It's, it, it, basically, it's a long handoff, so to speak. You're just, you're, you're just throwing the ball out there real quick instead of dropping back, seeing the seeing. Uh, things develop in front of you, knowing for uh, protections and, and things of that nature. So I think a true uh, form-type system for young quarterbacks will help guys uh, start to make uh, the transition because uh, it's just it's almost not fun to watch sometimes some of these young guys that come from college and it just doesn't translate to the NFL uh, for these guys. And I don't know how we can develop these young quarterbacks. And a lot of teams in the NFL, they're going to go to 53 guys on the roster to save that roster spot for someone else and, yeah, they'll put a kid on the you know, on the practice squad, but where can you truly, truly develop a quarterback? Um, that's a that's a great question. I would love to see another league uh, like that for young kids to develop because I think it only helps. I think it helps quarterbacks, obviously some kickers, but certainly some raw uh, wide receivers. It does help, and and the guys on the offensive and defensive line, guys that are just maybe later maturing and things of that nature. You know, there's been a lot of talk around the NFL about going global and placing a team in London, and they seem to be playing more and more games over there. Uh, you played in Frankfurt, uh, and Germany seemed to really embrace American football. In NFL Europe's final season in 2007, five of the six teams were based in Germany. Could you see the NFL maybe one day placing a team in Germany, and do you think that they uh, would be successful? I think they would be successful. The Germans, they're... Um... You know, toward the NFL Europe, uh, they had all the teams in Germany, but it was starting to become part of that culture. You know, I don't think it'll never surpass soccer, but they had they had little they had peewee football, they had little league football, they had like a, a form of high school type football. So the fans were educated uh, in that regard. So I think they'd have a good understanding, and and that's the biggest thing is, is getting them to understand the game. Now they do love their fans, and it's a it's a very uh, they do love their players. The fans get very wild, and they love to have a good time. You know, you hear all those whistles of soccer matches and things of that nature. Well, that's how our games were in Frankfurt, and it was a great great atmosphere, and they understood the game. You know, it wasn't like they were blowing the whistles and and things like that when when we had the ball on offense. Uh, they knew when to be quiet, and they knew when to get loud. So. You know, do we are 
is the NFL going to be global enough that we do place a team um, in London or if we do place them somewhere in Germany? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure how that will go over with some of the players. But I have a feeling if they're going to stay in, they'll go. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> hey, Jake, one thing I am sure of, we're out of time. But uh, thank you so much. I know we were talking about this before you came on. We all enjoyed talking with you when you were a player. And no surprise, this was a pleasure again. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Jake. That was former NFL and NFL Europe quarterback, Jake Delhomme. When we return, we'll talk about the NFL Europe and if there's a place for a spring developmental league in today's game. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Grasshopper. As an entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Get a local or a toll-free number or bring your own. And if you want to see how it works, log on to grasshopper.com. As an entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forward callers to your mobile phone. You can even get voicemails transcribed. Join over 150,000 small businesses who stay connected with Grasshopper. See how it works at grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. The cheese is melty and the crust is crunchy. This combo's hot and ready for you. Just trust me. Get four slices of deep, deep dish plus one soda for just five bucks. Little Caesar's hot and ready lunch combo. Four slices of deep, deep dish pepperoni pizza and a 20-ounce soda. Just five bucks. Little Caesar's. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations plus tax. Baseball fans, be the MVP at Luxor Las Vegas. Get your Lux on at all-star shows, including Fantasy, the Strip's sexiest adult review, Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil, and Carrot Top. Hit a home run with Mexican flavors that rock from TNT Tacos and Tequila or cool brews and comfort food at Public House. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest dance music from resident DJs and live entertainment in a high-energy atmosphere. To capture the biggest plays of the season, visit Luxor.com. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Simple Green. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and Clark Judge on Yahoo Sports Radio. The Talk of Fame Network is brought to you each week by MyCleanPC. If your computer is running slowly, go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's MyCleanPC.com. We're also brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts and CarQuest. Great products. Great people and great prices. That's Advanced Auto Parts and Car Quest. Guys, there are a lot of great people on and off the field who moved through the NFL Europe or the World League, as it was originally called. And if you missed it or if you've forgotten about it, NFL Europe was really a developmental league for everyone, including front office personnel and officials. And as Bill Polian reminded us on last week's broadcast, it did serve a purpose. It was a training ground that made everyone in the league better with the most notable example being Kurt Warner, of course, who's not on the Hall of Fame radar. But we spoke with Jake Delhomme in the previous segment about Warner, and we spoke to Kurt last year 
about not just his NFL experience, but his arena football experience, and this is what he had to say. Curtis, you know there's no uh, World League anymore, which was critical to your development. So I'm kind of wondering where the next Kurt Warner comes from, and does the NFL need to develop some other kind of way for players like yourself who weren't quite ready at the start uh, to get an opportunity? You know, it's so much about playing time and having the opportunity to, to play games and having the opportunity to, to see situations. And, you know, and that's one of the things that you know, a lot of people look at my career and, yeah, it would have been nice to have made the NFL early on my first stint there um, and see what would have happened. But I think a big part of my career was just playing football. I had only played one year in college, and to go and play arena football for three years in, in that kind of style where it was a lot like a two-minute throw every time you stepped on the field, and then to get back on the field in NFL Europe and get acclimated with the big field again. But really, more than anything, I played a lot of football. I threw a lot of balls. I saw a lot of different situations that, had I been on the bench in the NFL, I would have never seen. And I think you know all of those things played a heavy role in allowing me to, when I did get that opportunity in 99, really come in and play very well very quickly. I agree with uh, both Warner and Poland. I, I strongly agree. The NFL needs to find a way to develop young quarterbacks. This is a quarterback-driven league, and you develop them playing in game situations in front of crowds. You can't develop them going three-quarter speed on a practice field with no contact. So, I, again, I strongly believe the NFL needs a feeder league in the spring. Quarterbacks are the lifeblood of this league, and that pipeline is becoming a drip line. Hey, Ron, if we don't have a spring feeder league, I've got another idea for developing quarterbacks. Yes, Sit behind Tom Brady, okay? And they'll learn. Would you stop it? I, it this is getting shameful. It was, worked out so well for Brian We Hoyer used to respect Mallet. you so much, and now it's just... <laughs> yeah, that right was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Uh, anyway, since many of you have forgotten or may have forgotten, the World League originally started out as the World League of American Football. It began in 1991 with 10 teams, seven of which were in North America. And, of course, that lasted two seasons before... The league went dark for the next two years, and then it reappeared in 1995 with six teams all in Europe. In fact, one of them is the London Monarchs, and we're going to be talking later with Brad Johnson about that experience. But I, I'm not going to go through what happened from there because the league went on for a while until June 2007 when the NFL pulled the plug. But you guys heard Polian last week. Goose, I, I, I guess you've already weighed in on this. So, Ron, I'll ask you, is there a place or a need for a spring developmental league? Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, you know, when you see these kinds of uh, players without this sort of uh, league or, or an arena league situation uh, would have disappeared, you have to assume that in a country as large as ours, they aren't the, the only guy or, or two or three guys that would have been able to do this. You know, clearly there's a need to develop offensive linemen. It's one of the things Bill Belichick does well here. Uh, he brings them, starts them from no place, and, and they become players in a few years and quarterbacks, as Goose pointed out. And, you know, Jake Elholm was a good example. I mean, he needed time to develop, uh, or he wouldn't have succeeded in the NFL. He got it, and, and he became a, a player. But when you have no place to go, where you end up going is home. I mean, think about it. Maybe the greatest clutch kicker of all time, Adam Vinatieri, where there were no World League, who knows what he'd be doing now, but he might worry, very well be in South Dakota plowing snow. And there, there are other positions. Leroy Glover played in Europe before he became an all-decade defensive tackle in the NFL. James Harrison terrorized quarterbacks in Europe before he terrorized them over here in the NFL. Brent Grimes was covering receivers in Europe before he became a Pro Bowl cornerback in the NFL. Vinatieri, of course. You know, players need a place to play, a 
place to become finished products that the NFL covets. The one but thing, though, Clark, the one thing you, you have to remember, both of you, is this, of course. When you've got a league that's only making $9 billion a year, who can afford such a thing? <laughs> it's too expensive. Goose, I was, I was going to ask you uh, to take that a step further. I thought what Paulino said was right about the officials. I mean, forget the players, because we, we I think, all agree it's good as a developmental league for quarterbacks, offensive linemen. But the officials, I look at, for instance, Sunday night's game at Goose, you were there at the Dallas game. That pass interference against the Giants in the end zone against uh, Rogers Cromartie, I didn't see it. And then I watch last uh, the Monday night game, the 49ers game against Minnesota. There's an obvious pass interference call in the end zone, and they don't call it. There's such a disparity in the calls. I really wish there was something to develop officials. You're never going to get a consistency. I mean, I chart the officials every year, and there's generally a 60 or 70 penalty swing between the two crews. I, you could have them work year-round, and then if you bring them over here, you're still going to have that disparity. Some people, some crews call some penalties, some crews call other penalties. You know, I, I think it, it gives referees a chance in game action to make calls, but you'll never, there's no way you'll ever get consistency among crews. Okay, I asked you guys last week about the legacy of uh, leagues and, and other leagues that we're talking about here. And I'll ask you, because we were talking about the USFL last week, I'll ask you about this league. I mean, what's the legacy of the World League I mean, or the NFL Europe? In the end, it was hemorrhaging about $30 million a year, but it did produce good players who became, some of who became great players in the NFL. Yeah, that's the legacy of the success stories. And I count Germany as a success story, along with the players, the Warners, the Loams, Johnsons, Vinatieri's. You know, at the end, the, the majority of teams were in Germany. They learned American football, and they learned to love American football. If and when the NFL, expand, NFL ever expands overseas, I would expect two teams, one in London, Together in German. Of course they love football in Germany. Your papers are not in order. I miss Bert. They love it. Uh, but to me, the legacy of NFL Europe is that the league is now run by owners who don't invest in their own game. They invest in fantasy football, not real football. And that's a problem for the league. And a problem. Uh, every other league has some form of developmental uh, apparatus, whether it's minor league sports or the D League in the NBA. Only the league that makes the most money has the least money invested in their players. Hey, Ron, I'll tell you a guy whose papers are in order. It's our Rick Goslin. Herr Goose. The Goose, that's right. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 2004, and around here, what do we call him? Dr. Data, basically because he's our local fact man. And Goose, don't tell me you're trimming your Super Bowl field again, please. Well, the Seattle Seahawks, Indianapolis Colts, Philadelphia Eagles, Baltimore Ravens, and Pittsburgh Steelers all carried Super Bowl hopes into the 2015 season, but just two weeks in, all face a must game this week. Too early for must game to say? Think again. There have been 49 Super Bowl champions in history. Only three opened the season 0-2. Seattle, Indy, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh all need victory Sunday to avoid that 0-2 start. The 1993 Cowboys were the first team to overcome that 0-2 start to win a Super Bowl. They were the defending Super Bowl champions and lost those two games as their NFL rushing champion, Emmett Smith, was holding out. The Cowboys hustled him back, new contract in hand, and he went on to win 14 of their next 16 games. The 2001 Patriots were the second team to do it, but New England also had an extenuating circumstance. The Patriots lost their starting quarterback in the second game and transitioned to the backup, Tom Brady. The rest, as Ron knows so well, is history. New England won 14 of their next 17 games. The 2007 Giants were the last team to overcome that at the start. 
there was no extenuating circumstance here. This is just an above-average football team that got hot at the right time. The Giants finished the regular season 10-6 and six for a wild card, then snuffed out New England's perfect season in the Super Bowl. Ouch. That's it. Only three 0-2 starts in 49 years. Now, Baltimore and Pittsburgh have winnable games this weekend, but Indy, Philadelphia, and Seattle will be in for a scrap to avoid that 0-2 start. The Colts are home against the Jets. Philadelphia hosts Dallas, and Seattle visits Green Bay. Must games? History says so, and as you guys know, I'm a big believer in history. Doc, I can only say this. At the rate you're going in two more leaks, it, weeks, the Super Bowl will be history. There will be no teams that are going to make it. You're killing every team. It's unbelievable. Uh, but that stat is an interesting one. Why do you think over such a long period of time, 49 years, that uh, losing the first two games has proven so overwhelmingly uh, difficult a challenge for teams to overcome? Why can't they overcome a slow start? Well, let me flip it for you. 13 of the Super Bowl champions started 5-0, and and 22 started 4-1. and you get on a roll early and you start believing you're a great team. Belief and confidence, as you know, Ron, go a long way in sports. But lose early, and it's only natural that self, so some self-doubts creep in. And I think we've seen that with some of these 0-2 teams. Hey, Goose, quick question. You keep telling us who's not going to be in the Super Bowl. Who do you <laughs> like in the Super Bowl? Nobody. The Packers, and I'm growing fond of my Amy. Okay. I'll tell you who I like, or what I like. A break. When we return, you'll hear why former Spartan Morton Anderson, former Spartan Morton Anderson, belongs to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Derek, cue the band. There it is. This is the Talk of Fame Network, and that's the Spartans marching band. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. I've developed, launched, and marketed over 400 products. Applying for a traditional loan is frustrating. There's paperwork, references, tax forms. You wait weeks for an answer, and you may not get the funds. There's a new way to get funding without the hassle. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Here's how it works. Go to Cabbage.com, fill out the online application. It takes minutes to complete, and you'll get a decision with none of the waiting. You could have immediate access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No fees of any kind to set up your line, and you don't pay a cent until you take a loan. It's helpful for a business to have security and flexibility. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. It's provided funds to over 50,000 businesses and has been named one of Forbes' top 100 companies twice in a row. So check out Cabbage.com. That's Cabbage with a K, K K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE, the number one online provider of small business loans. Since the dawn of time, people have loved combining things. Have a stick and a sharp rock? Yeah! Now it's an axe. Okay. Got steam in a boat? Uh Uh-huh. Hello, steamboat. That's how we made the new Little Caesars box set. You get four slices of deep, deep dish pepperoni pizza and ten pieces of Italian cheese bread with crazy sauce in the same box for just nine bucks. We think you'll agree it's the best combination ever. It is! The new box set only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations for a limited time plus tax. Hey, it's Flo, and here's my impression of a reality TV star explaining progressive discounts. So I was talking to Greg, and he said that Daly knew what Erica said about her when we were all on Marcus's boat. And I was like, you what? Wait for a seer drama because progressive totes his discounts like safe driver, multi-policy, and paid in full. So it's not like he said, she said, shut up, whatever. So basic, you know? Discounts to help you save more. Now that's progressive. But then he was all, no way, Jose, because his name's Jose. Legit. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Mark Judge. They are who we thought they were. On Yahoo Sports Radio. 
This is a reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper. You can get a local or toll-free number, or you just bring your own. See how it works? Log on to grasshopper.com. Hey, guys, before we get to Morton Anderson and passing out cake as we do each week, you guys happen to notice uh, the impact tight ends had in last week's game? I mean, five of them. Gronk, Witten, Travis Kelsey, Tyler Eifert, Austin Safarian Jenkins. They combined for 11 touchdowns, including three by Gronk. So what do you make of this? Is this become a tight ends league? Well, there will be weeks when tight ends score touchdowns, but in most weeks, the wide receivers are going to be dominant. You know, there were nine wide receivers drafted last April before the first tight end on the 55th overall pick. This is still a wide receiver league, but quarterbacks will continue to look for the bigger targets in the red zone. Well, I don't disagree with that, although I think tight ends are becoming more and more important because they're, uh, they're so big and fast, like Gronkowski, they're a, a, a matchup nightmare for defenses. And with defenses going to uh, five DBs, uh, those guys can't stay with them, and the linebackers aren't fast enough to stay with them. And the officials refuse to let anybody play defense anyway, so it's a bonanza for a guy like uh, Gronkowski. Why aren't oh, they I said something about passing out cake. Derek, we can do it now, because now we have some birthdays to recognize. On Thursday, September 17th, former USFL and Minnesota Vikings star Anthony Carter turns 55. A day later, one of Goose's favorite players, former Lions running back Billy Sims, turns 60. Or one of Ron's favorite guys, yeah, Raider, Otis Sistrunk, turns 69. University September- of Mars. <laughs> University of Mars. <laughs> I want to see that diploma. On September 19th, one of the best running backs in Washington history, Larry Brown, turns 68, while one of the best backs in Kansas City history. And I honestly, I think... In the history of the NFL, Abner Haynes turned 78. A day later, September 20th, Landon linebacker Tommy Novus turns 72. While Jim Taylor, Green Bay great, turns 80. Finally, on September 21st, the voice of the New England Patriots turns 29. That would be me. <laughs> Happy birthday to Guy Lafleur, the pride of the Montreal Canadiens, one of the great goal snorers scores in NFL history, and a Hockey Hall of Famer. He turns 63 on Sunday. Wow. Well, September 17th is a happy birthday uh, for the guy who could have written in Dominican Sue's biography. Ken Kesey, offer of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's <laughs> Nest. <laughs> Ron, you remember Keela Fleur, don't you? Yeah, I Shield do. Shield Bear. He <laughs> scores! <laughs> right. Yeah, they Keela don't want to be reminded in Boston. Hey, Taylor, yeah, let's hear it for these guys. Rick and Ron. Don't worry about sending me any cards. Just me a round-trip ticket to San Diego so I can do our next show out there. Better yet, make it a one-way ticket, please. Uh, I mentioned we're going to hear the Hall of Fame case for former kicker Morton Anderson, and we are now. The NBA's leading scorer is in the Hall of Fame. The NHL's leading scorer is there, too. Not the Fleur. Wayne Gretzky. So is Major League Baseball's. But the NFL's leading scorer, he's at home. Yep. Listening to the Michigan State marching band, Morton Anderson. Former Spartan. Not only is the league's career scoring leader, he holds the record for most games played and most field goals. He's not in Canton, guys. I don't get it. I know he's been a finalist the past few years. What's it going to take to punch his tickets? Now, I know what critics tell me that's he kickers don't belong. Well, then, I say change the game. Try playing without one. I know what they say. Well, he kicked most of his career indoors. I don't care where he kicked his field goals. He was so good, he was named a two all decades team, not one, two. And they say, well, he ranks 46 in field goal percentage. Okay, fine, except Jan Stenner, who's in the Hall of Fame, ranks below that uh, in the 90s. So in case you're interested, Johnny Unitas also 
greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. Tied for 76 in passing efficiency. So I simply want a guy who was the best at his position. I think Morton Anderson was while he played. Hall of Fame is not all about numbers, it's about contributions and value. And Morton Anderson was going to be so valuable or invaluable. Not only was named to those all-decade teams, two of them, remember. He's one of only four New England, New Orleans Saints in the team's ring of honor. I understand the hesitation to put a kicker in the hall, but I also understand the value of a guy who was one of the game's best until his last year. When, incidentally, at the age of 47, he nailed 25 of 28 field goals. I guess what I'm saying is this guy was an anomaly, someone who could do something better and longer than his peers. So put him in the hall. Clerk, Carl Banks, Earl Morrill, Bubba Smith, George Webster, Morton Anderson, is there, is there a prejudice against Michigan State in the Hall of Fame? Nope, and I'll tell you why. Rick Goslin, you're in the Hall of Fame, Goose. You're a former Spartan, 2004. I don't think there's a prejudice. I think there's more prejudice against kickers. I listened to that room when Ray Guy was coming up. It's not good. These guys talk about special teams, guys, as if they're from another planet, like uh, Mars. But, no, I think it's more about the position than it is about the alma mater. Maybe it's about the marching band. I don't know. How are you going to get around that? that that's, uh, you know, you're a Hall of Fame voter. If you're going to make yeah. a case for this guy, how are you going to convince the room, which has, as you point out, a number of guys who think kickers are not players, that there is a place, not just on a team for them, but in the Hall of Fame for them. That's a good question, Ron. I, I, I'm not sure you can. Um, I mean, I was in there, as I said, when Ray Guy came up. Unfortunately, we had somebody to present him who could get him in. That would be you, Ron. But it took him nearly 30 years to make it to the Hall. And honestly, I just never got that. I, I never understood it before I got on that panel, and I certainly didn't understand it when I was on it. And he was only one of two players on the 75th anniversary team that was left out of the Hall of Fame. Who was the other? And who is the other? He's still out. Billy White Shoes Johnson, what do they have in common? They're both special teams players. There's really a disregard, it seems to me, for what those guys do, and especially for punters and kickers. And you guys have heard the argument all the time. You know, you know they, they're in there for, what, six plays a game, four plays a game, sometimes three plays a game. I, I'm not putting them in. Well, if you're the best at what you do, shouldn't you be in? I mean, I, I, I know another kick will get in eventually, but was, I, I'm not sure if Anderson makes it before Adam Venteri. He changed the game. His long kickoffs, and he also gave coaches the courage to go for the long field goals. This is the guy, with the guy that made 50-yard field goals in college and made 50-yard right. field goals here. He brought the long leg, and he was more than a kicker. He was a weapon. He changed the game, and that's the argument I would make. Goose, I'm glad you mentioned that because he kicked a 60-yarder, and people did go, oh, yeah, so what, kicked a 60-yarder? It was the second longest field goal in NFL history at that time. So he had a strong leg, and he was consistent. And he, he hit 80% of his field goals. As I said, I don't care where that ranks. On the all-time list, all I know is when he was on the field, he was Mr. Automatic, and that's what he was nicknamed, Mr. Automatic, because he seldom missed. Well, that's the signal that we're running out of time, or if you're the New York Giants, the signal to stop the clock with an incompletion. So a two-minute drill with Ron asking this week's questions and Derek moving the chains. So, Ron, let's get started. Okay, here we go. Jets wide receiver Brandon Marshall said there's a double standard based on skin color when it comes to the the way the NFL hands out discipline, quote, specifically at the quarterback position, unquote. Who's he talking about, guys? Whitey Bulger. Obviously, Roger Goodell, the guy in charge of discipline. Dominican Sue kicked Redskin running back Alfred Morris in the head Sunday and wasn't ejected. What does it take to get ejected these days? A plane out of gas. Stealing a sack of football, Steve Fisher's restroom and deflating them. <laughs> 
What? Here's a simple question for you. Is Ndamukong Sue a dirty player? Why don't you ask Aaron Rodgers? His history of fines indicates such. You guys are being kind. One loss into the season. Houston head coach Billy O'Brien won't say who his starting quarterback will be on Sunday. Is there a quarterback controversy on a team without a quarterback? Nope. There's a quarterback problem. Quarterback controversies are only possible when a team has two good ones. Brian doesn't <laughs> have any. Des Bryant's out four to six weeks. Probably staying at Goose's house to recover. Can the <laughs> Cowboys survive his loss? Yes, they can, but only if Ben McAdoo and Eli Manning run the clock. There's a lot of money sitting on the sideline. It's going to be very tough down the road for him. Eli Manning told running back Rashad Jennings not to score a touchdown that would have given the Giants a 10-point lead late in their eventual loss to the Cowboys. Did he give the points or lose his mind? Neither. Lost track of time. Instead of a big contract, the Giants should have given him a watch. <laughs> Eli clearly envisioned himself throwing a touchdown pass third down and didn't want Jennings spoiling that opportunity. Cleveland's new uniform. Like or dislike? Let's put it this way, Ronnie. Mr. Blackmore were alive. They'd be numero uno on his list. As long as they remain the only NFL team without a logo on the helmet, I like them. Cleveland's old story, 31-10 to 10 loss. Like or dislike? I like. They're one step closer to Spartan Connor Cook. Dislike. No quarterback, no chance at any level of football. Should the NFL reinstate the Deflation Brothers, John Jastrzemski and Jim McNally? Nope. Should reinstate Kari Yastrzemski and Art McNally. <laughs> Why go back to the past? So they can make more money writing a book on the true story of the Flategate. Camp Chancellor's holdout will have cost him $2.1 million by this weekend. Last Sunday, it cost the Seahawks the game. Who's paying the bigger price? Deion Bailey, because he's not Camp Chancellor. It's easier to make up a game than to make up $2.1 million. Chancellor says he wants extra money for being a leader. Should you be paid extra to be a leader? Maybe you should address that question to the league office. The Seahawks already have $87 million to Russell Wilson. That is the end of our first hour. When we return, we'll sit down with former quarterback Brad Johnson and Rod, he hate me smart. That's right. We'll get smart. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at Motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge, on Yahoo Sports Radio. Welcome back to our number two of the Talk of Fame Network. I'm Clark, along with Rick and Ron, and the three of us are Hall of Fame selectors. 
We're here to pull back the curtain, at least when we can, on a process that a uh, few of you, I think, understand. And we'd like to introduce you to some of the game's best during the weeks coming, and the weeks in the past, and the months in the past, and the months in the future. But the best from the past and the present. We are, as we mentioned the first hour, in the last of our Out of Their League series. We'll have former quarterback Brad Johnson, who won Super Bowl 37 in San Diego, as well as former XFL notable Rod Heatley Smart, on in this hour, as well as the best Hall of Fame fantasy of Chargers tight end Antonio Gates. That is Hall of Fame selectors. We'd like to point out that this season there are 12 ceremonies that are going to honor 43 Hall of Famers with Ring of Excellence Awards. I know it started early this week in Santa Clara where Charles Haley and the 49ers were honored. And it continues Sunday in Buffalo where the Bills are going to honor 2015 inductee and friend of the show, Bill Foley. Yeah, Clark, the, the older Hall of Famers are getting newer rings, and in many cases, they're coupling that ceremony with the ring presentation of members of the class of 2015. I, I think it's a, it's a neat gesture. Also, the Hall is trying to raise its profile nationally, and the best way to do that is in stadiums surrounded by men wearing those gold jackets. Thank you, Simon, with you. I mean, I like this idea because it keeps the players, or in this case, Bill Polian, in front of the fans so they don't forget what they did and what he did for the Bills and for Carolina and Indianapolis, Ron, it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, it was indeed. You know, and and I think uh, as Bruce points out, these guys get forgotten quicker than than you might think. One of the reasons the show exists, and many people seem to have lost any sort of sense of history. Uh, and when it comes to pro football, history is a large part of our understanding of where we are today, where the game is today. I think recognizing players and coaches from the past who reached the highest level of excellence is a good idea, and and I have to. Tip my helmet to uh, David Baker for coming up with this idea. Well, history, Ron, that's why we have Dr. Data here, our local historian. And speaking of him, Goose, from the looks of the schedule, nobody's going to enjoy the ceremony more. And I'm talking about the Ring of Excellence ceremony more than Charles Haley. <laughs> As I said, he was honored by the 49ers for this week. But that's not all. Another party's coming November 1st to be honored by your Dallas Cowboys during the Cowboys-Seattle game. Old Charles, double dipping. I like it. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. Get two rings. Come on. That's he's, right. He's waited long enough for this honor, and he's certainly spreading out celebrations. You know, we we've had him on our show, and I said back in August there wasn't a happier guy in all of Ken, the week of the introduct in inductions, than Charles Haley. You know, in his mind, I really think the Hall of Fame did validate his career. It put him on the same pedestal with Ronnie Lotz, Joe Montana's. Michael Irvins, and Emmett Smith. Guys that actually he looked up to as a player. As rocky as Haley's life has been, I think he felt he needed this vindication. Felt like validation vindication. Now he's got, you know, he's going to have Goose. He's got more Super Bowl rings than anybody else. Now he's going to have more Hall of Fame rings than anybody else. <laughs> this doesn't seem right. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> well, Ron, you know, I, I mentioned Charles Haley's going uh, to have a great time this year. Probably no player is going to enjoy this schedule more than he, but no fans, I don't think, are going to enjoy this schedule more than the people of Pittsburgh, where it seems they're always honoring the past. And, you know, I say good for them because they've got a great past. Anyway, they have Jerome Bettis coming up on October 1st. That's for the Steelers-Ravens game. But then they're not finished. They're going to honor the Steelers Hall of Famers, and there are a lot of them on November 15th for the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. Well, first off, they're going to have to extend halftime by 30 minutes. They're going to honor all the Steelers Hall of Famers, but... You know, there's really no better game, I don't think, to do it than against uh, the Cleveland Browns. They're one of their great rivals, unless, of course, they were they were going to be playing the Raiders were coming to town because beating the Raiders is almost 
most of those guys got those rings in the first place. Then how Speaking do the Raiders, the Raiders have so many more Hall of Famers than the Steelers from the 70s? Yeah, good well, question. Some people, some people have proper sense of justice. Others don't. Ah, there we go. Oh, my, i got to lay down. <laughs> well, what before you lie down, Ron, on December 6th, those Raiders you're talking what about? What a concerto that is. <laughs> you know concertos. I do. You know Hall of Famers. And you know the Raiders. So, given that scenario, how are you going to like the December 6th party in Oakland for Tim Brown? And here's my question, Ron. Yes, sir. You've been asked to MC that event? Surprisingly, I have not, Clark. But, uh, but when they give Ray Guy his ring, not only will I MC, Ray Guy will carry me in on his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> well, he should. You got him in. You that got him in tough... after almost 30 years. That was a tough day at the office, I'll tell you. But uh, fortunately, we uh, we as the voters did the right thing and and, and put him in. And, yeah, they uh, did do the right thing, and we're going to do the right thing too. We're going to commercial, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to former quarterback Brad Johnson about how his World League experience made him into such a good NFL quarterback, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Since the dawn of time, people have loved combining things. Have a stick and a sharp rock. Yeah. Now it's an axe. Okay. Got steam in a boat. Uh huh. Hello, steamboat. That's how we made the new Little Caesars box set. You get four slices of deep, deep dish pepperoni pizza and ten pieces of Italian cheese bread with crazy sauce in the same box for just nine bucks. We think you'll agree it's the best combination ever. It is! The new box set only at Little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. At participating locations for a limited time plus tax. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Not all barbecues are the same. Not all guitar licks are the same. Not all motor oils are the same either. Valvoline Full Synthetic High Mileage with Max Life Technology actually is different. It's the superior protection of synthetic for cars over 75,000 miles. But don't just believe us. See for yourself at seeadifference.com. Valvoline, 140 years under the hood. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network on Yahoo Sports Radio. Well, Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that will clean up what may be slowing down your computer. For more information, go to MyCleanPC.com. Our next guest knows what the World League of American Football can do for your career. Brad Johnson played one season for the London Monarchs where he led the league in completions. And within seven years, he was lifting the Lombardi Trophy as a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. 
He was the second quarterback in Washington history to throw for 4,000 yards in one season. He broke almost every passing record in Tampa Bay history. And he's the only quarterback in NFL history to throw a touchdown pass to himself. Brad Johnson, thanks for joining us. Oh, I appreciate having me on the show. Thank you very much. Brad, let's start with the obvious question. You threw a touchdown pass to yourself. You want to explain that one? I did. I did. The, uh, <laughs> I was playing the Minnesota Vikings back in 1997, and the play was about on the three-yard line, and the play was a dot left spear ripped out. Basically, that's a little white stick and then a flat. And uh, I dropped back in the pocket. It was going to my left, and the ball, it got batted. I caught the ball. And the rules are you cannot pass the ball twice forward. But I started scrambling around and uh, went to the end zone and scored a uh, touchdown. So it counted as a touchdown pass, touchdown catch. And for fantasy football, it uh, counted for 12 points. And actually won the <laughs> So it was, kind of a, it was a wild play. It was from the three-yard line. If it had been from the four-yard line, I probably would have been a yard short. So, I knew uh, I should have played you that week in my fantasy league. league. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brad, we've been talking about leagues other than the NFL these past five weeks. What did the World League do for you as a quarterback, and how did it change your career? I think that league is different for every situation. And for me, I was a late bloomer in football. I was a, I love basketball. I played two years of basketball at Florida State. I was competing with a guy named Casey Weldon at Florida State. Uh, he pretty much beat me out. He was a runner-up for the Heisman, Desmond Howard. So I really didn't play much in college. I drafted the ninth round for the Minnesota Vikings. And I spent three or four years there. I was backing up Rich Gannon, backing up Jim McMahon, was backing up Warren Moon. And when Warren Moon was playing, he was older at the time, and he would take Friday golf from practice, and I would get that practice time. But I was never getting the game time. And at the end of the season that year, I, I went to Brian Billick and talked to him. And I was like, listen, I, I just want to, I need a chance to play. And I know I can't play in front of Warren Moon as a backup and all that. I just need a chance to play, to, to go. And I heard about this new league that was coming back again, which was the World League, and and the Atlanta Monarchs, they, they, I got allocated to the Atlanta Monarchs. And it was a chance just to play, a chance to make mistakes, a chance to lead a team. Uh, it was a 10-game season, went through a whole training camp, and then played. And, you know, the, the thing about it was I was fortunate in my situation because I was with the Minnesota Vikings where I already knew the system. I'd been there for four years. I knew the system where some guys were having to learn their system in the NFL, go to the World League, and then try to come back and make a team where I was already allocated. I knew a system. I didn't have to learn a new system besides the one in the World League. So my situation was different, but it was, it was, it was impactful for my career. And uh, not everybody made it that went over there now. But uh, later on in, in guys' careers, I made it. Kurt Warner made it. John Kittner made it. Jay Fiedler. And I'm sure there was a couple others kind of like that, that it did propel our careers. So it was kind of neat for me and my, my, my own experience. Last week, Brad, we were talking to Bill Polian, and uh, he told us that he thinks there should be a spring league to develop, among other things, quarterbacks. But he thought that uh, they should put six teams in the southeast where there's a hotbed of football, and he thinks that, that it could work down there. Do you think that a league like that could work in the southeast? Well, I, I, I probably should go back to the NFL roster, first of all. We used to keep three quarterbacks, and the third quarterback was inactive. So you were developing quarterbacks on your own team, in your own system. The coaches had their hands on you. Uh, and one year, I'll be honest with you, the Minnesota Vikings, they kept four quarterbacks. It was uh, Sean Salisbury, Jim McMahon, Geno Treader, and myself. Otherwise, the way they're doing it now, they keep two quarterbacks and then maybe like a practice squad quarterback. So I don't think the NFL is doing a good job by the roster count. I wish they would keep a, one spot, a third spot, automatically has to be a roster spot, even though he may not be inactive, may not be active on that particular day. But is, is, could there be a season? A spring league, yes, not a doubt in my mind. And not only just for 
quarterbacks, but that also goes for coaches and general managers and, and, and other assistant coaches to learn how to coach, even trainers, all those people. So I think it's a valuable system if it could take place, and, and hopefully that would happen. We're talking with former quarterback Brad Johnson on the Talk of Fame Network, and Brad played a year with the London Monarchs in the World League. And Brad, correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't play in Wembley Stadium that year. You played in White Hart Lane, correct? <laughs> and that's White the home. Lane. Yeah, that's home of the Tottenham Hotspur, the Premier League, which soccer fans would know. And because the pitch wasn't long enough to accommodate American football, your team had special permission. I think I've got this right to play on a 93-yard field. Is that right? How did that go? Well, it's interesting. Yes, that the field was 100 yards long, so that was regulation. But the end zones were only seven and a half yards deep, and the last yard and a half it actually fell off. And that year. Going into the 10th game, we led the league in sacks, not giving up. So if we did, our linemen, they were going to get like $500 or $1,000 bonus. And it was in the fourth quarter. I came out. We had a quarterback who played at Notre Dame, Kevin McDougal, who on the one-yard line, he dropped back. He fell out of the back of the end zone and hit his head against the wall. And it counted as a sack. So, I mean, you talk about <laughs> it made it tough. Really seven and a half yards, maybe six yards deep in the end zone to score touchdowns, but um, but it was, it was quite unique. But I, I'll be honest, with you, I loved it. Was, it was unbelievable to go. You know, I went. We went to Frankfurt, went to Amsterdam, went to Scotland, Berlin. Uh, it was just neat. We traveled all over the place. Lived in London for for two and a half, three months. It was a great experience as far as all that went. Right here we are, twenty uh, years later, and they're talking about putting an NFL team, not not a world team, an NFL team in London. Do you like that idea? Well, I mean, for expanding the game worldwide, yes. But as a player, it would be tough, I'll be honest with you. Obviously, living overseas, having a family, or just traveling back and forth, the transition of that. How do you, you know, we, okay, we're not going to go back to London, we're going to stay over in the States and practice somewhere for two or three weeks. Uh, how do you do off-season workouts? I, I just think it would be tough logistically. It's more than just six months out of the year. You're, it's, it's a nine-month kind of deal as far as being with your team, training camp process. It would be tough from that standpoint. As far as living in London, as far as playing in London, the crowd support, it's unbelievable. But, you know, it, 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 it'd be tough transition for any one of those teams to have to travel back and forth four or five times like that and then just how the offseason would, would work. But um, but I do, I've been over back. I went back with the Buccaneers. They played Chicago Bears a couple years ago. And it was a great experience as far as that, as far as that went. The crowd support was awesome. Uh, that took place in London. Obviously, you had a, just had a great story there about the seven-and-a-half-yard end zone and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> your poor quarterback knocking his head against the wall. Any other stories like that that come to mind from your experience there in, in London or playing anywhere in, in Europe? I just remember, you know, <laughs> you had to, to, to get adjusted to the food. There was, you know, there was, no, there was no ice in the drinks. The milk was warm. We lived in kind of an old, dorm, old police academy shutdown dorm kind of thing, and, and uh, it was different. You had 38 players on the team. Eight of them were foreigners. So you had 30 Americans, eight that were foreigners that were from London or from their particular country. Uh, one of, the, of those players had to be on the field at all times. And it was tough as far as, uh, you know, that many players and having to play special teams and, and all that kind of stuff. But it was a regular work week. We you started early in the morning and, and, and did all the meetings and did the practice time. But I was very grateful. I got to play uh, offense coordinator was uh, Lionel Taylor, and uh, offensive line coach was Charlie Davis. And played with some great players. Still have some friendships from a lot of those guys. The tight end was Michael Tidley, 
And I still have friendships with a lot of those guys. We're with Brad Johnson on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Brad, let's uh, fast forward a little bit. Many of our listeners, of course, remember you for the 2002 Super Bowl, which was played in San Diego. Uh, that Bucks defense was real good, as you remember. And, in fact, it was so good. We have two guys in the Hall of Fame and a third, John Lynch, who's from San Diego, on the cusp. That defense came around only two years after Baltimore won a Super Bowl. And you remember that Baltimore defense is one of the best ever. Question for you is, which one of those defense would you less like to face as a quarterback? They were both great. Both teams had Hall of Famers on them, you know. And um, it, was, it was neat to be a part of it. Obviously, you know, I think John Lynch will have a great chance to make it. It may be Ronnie Barber, but there were other great players in Simeon Rice. And offensively, he had a lot of great players, too. And it's just... It was it was just a it was an unbelievable experience that all these guys come together and get to share in something uh, incredible as far as winning a Super Bowl and you kind of forget the individual honors when something like that takes place. But both Baltimore they won it with the great defense, Tampa won it with a great defense, but there's great total team efforts by both parts and uh, it's interesting how both teams won and it's different ways you kind of compare teams and years and years. In your mind, is uh, John Lynch a Hall of Famer, and if so, why? I, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, obviously, his Pro Bowls, he did it in Tampa. Uh, he did four Pro Bowls in uh, in Denver. He went to uh, AFC Championship game, either one or two in Denver, went to two championship games in uh, in Tampa. It, it's unfortunate. You know, people say, well, he didn't. Yeah, well, he didn't. Well, you, you know what? He did. <laughs> he, he redefined. He redefined. He was an unbelievable hitter. Uh, you did not want to cross the middle with him. He's a guy that could get down in the box, made an eight-man box. He had his interceptions. And, you know, each player in the league you know, had their faults. You could say some receivers, they have a lot of catches where they call a lot of bubble screens. But you could say, you know, maybe he was protected, kept cover two, he wasn't a cover guy. You know what? He did. He accomplished. And everything that he played on was successful. He made pro bowls in the NFC and the AFC. So sometimes when you get that, sometimes when you get to a vote, whether it's a pro bowl, when you get to a Hall of Fame, sometimes it becomes a political deal in who they're trying to, you know, push forward. Do we do we put one receiver in this year, or two receivers? Who do we put in next year? And, and unfortunately, it happens that way. But those guys that do make it, they deserve it. And uh, but John will be one of those guys in time that um, he definitely deserves it with his play and what he did over his career. And and just the man he was, not alone on the field, but what he did off the field too. Well, Brad, uh, we know you've got to run because you you're coaching uh, middle school football. And I'm just wondering, you know, what's that sort of like for you? Why are you doing that? I know your your kids are playing, but what's that sort of like for you? And obviously it's vastly different from the NFL or the World League. So how do you sort of deal with coaching that level of kids? I love it. I love it. I coached uh, junior uh, junior high and varsity basketball for a few years. I got two boys in the seventh and eighth grade. I coached them through second grade, all the way up to now in football, basketball, and just very active with them. I, I'm the head, head, head coach last year. Coached two different football teams and five different basketball teams, so I kind of live with a whistle in my mouth. And I'm a water boy, equipment boy. I do the parent emails, and uh, I got a big game on Thursday. I, I can't say anything else but just playing my Thursday game. I don't know what what else is going on in the world right now besides making scripts and and getting them laminated and getting all my kids ready. I wash the clothes for them. It's it's it's, it's fun to be with my kids, and, and fortunate that. I had the memories, the experiences of playing in the NFL, playing for some great coaches, and, and I really try to relay those stories to a lot of those kids and just, you know, the hard work and effort that takes place and then, you know, trying to be a part of something great and give yourself a chance to be a part of something great also. So uh, I'm very fortunate to be with my kids. and I got one that's a quarterback in Max, and I got another one that's a tight end. So it's kind of fun being with them. 
Hey, Brad, thanks for the time, and good luck with the coach. We really enjoyed this. Thank you very All right. much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Brad. Brad. Take care, Brad. That was former quarterback Brad Johnson, also a Super Bowl 37 winner. When we return, we'll get to this week's Hall of Fame and Shame nominees, as well as hear about Antonio Gates and Canton. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Geico applauds your inner happy camper. A merit badge of awesomeness goes out to the part of you that wants to put the recreation in recreational vehicle. The part of you that packs up everything and everybody in the RV and says, let's get this show on the road. Because Geico has specialized agents who help save money on more than just car insurance. Geico will insure that entire RV. So you can get the s'more making, poison ivy dodging, same song singing, ghost storytelling, campfire building, best time you ever had with your family, show on the road. Geico for your RV. See how how much you could save. Remember when a small business needed a landline? Today, the world is your office with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. On the road, at the beach, or at home, Grasshopper helps you grow your business with all the features of a business phone system and the freedom of a cell phone. Features include multiple extensions for your team, calls forwarded to your mobile phones, voicemails transcribed and emailed, and so much more. See how it works at grasshopper.com. The Entrepreneur's Phone System. Baseball fans, be the MVP at Luxor Las Vegas. Get your Lux on at all-star shows, including Fantasy, the Strip's sexiest adult review, Chris Angel Believe from Cirque du Soleil, and Carrot Top. Hit a home run with Mexican flavors that rock from TNT Tacos and Tequila or cool brews and comfort food at Public House. LAX Nightclub helps you make all the right plays with the hottest dance music from resident DJs and live entertainment in a high-energy atmosphere. To capture the biggest plays of the season, visit Luxor.com. Hi, Tom Bodette. These days, the Internet is full of quizzes to find out what kind of fruit you are or what movie character you're most like or what state you belong in. Well, take it from this tangerine space cop who apparently belongs in Alaska. You won't find any quizzes at Motel6.com. Just lots of clean, comfortable rooms for the lowest price of any national chain. Now, let's see. Am I more like a mild Swiss or a smoked Gouda? Well, I'm Tom Bodette from Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. On Yahoo Sports Radio. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you each week by Advanced Auto Parts and Parkwest. Great products, great people, and great prices. We're also brought to you by Geico Insurance. That's Geico, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to Geico.com. mentioned earlier that Rick, Ron, and I are selectors, and as selectors, we're asked to vote on prospective Hall of Fame candidates. But in this show, we're not limited by the Hall of Fame. We can vote on anything we like or want. And this week, guys, I want to vote on this week's Hall of Fame and shame candidates with one nomination each. So first up, weekly Hall of Fame. And I'll start. I'll go with San Francisco defensive coordinator, Eric Mangini. He takes over a unit that lost a zillion starters in the offseason, including Patrick Willis, Justin Smith, Chris Borland, and Chris Culliver. He draws Adrian Peterson on an opening night. So what happens? Nothing. Peterson shut down, and Minnesota scores three points. That's not Mangini. It's Mangenius. Clark, I'll go with David Andrews who not only made the Patriots as an undrafted free agent this summer, but started for them at center on opening night against the Steelers. Do you think there was any pressure on him? He had to make the shotgun snaps to Tom Brady all night long 
and he had a nose tackle directly over his head on every play against Pittsburgh's 3-4 defensive scheme. He was one of only two undrafted free agents to start on the NFL's opening weekend, and he started for the Super Bowl champs. So bravo, David Andrews. Okay, big show to, uh, for the uh, New England Patriots because uh, my nominee is Rob Gronkowski. He didn't play a down in the exhibition season. Oops, there's that word again. I'm at preseason. Sorry, Roger. And he goes out and scores three touchdowns against the Steelers. Of course, the fact that the Steelers didn't cover him half the time uh, helped him considerably. Next time, perhaps the next team will say, hey, we should cover 87. He's pretty good. But either way, at that rate of three touchdowns a game, it's going to break Randy Moss's touchdown record by game eight. <laughs> hey, Ron, hey, Ron by the way. wants to go back and dump Mangini and, and nominate Brady. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> no, I was going to say, Ron, uh, you could be getting your letter of notice informing that you're fined for saying exhibition season. This comes from the league office anyway. It'll be on your <laughs> way. Um, I, I want to get to a Hall of Shame, and, and this one's easy for me. I mean, live in New York. The people there are still, still talking about how the Giants blew that opener to Goose's Dallas Cowboys. And I'll tell you how. They went stupid. It's third and goal from the one. You're up by three. There's a minute and a half left, and your opponent has no timeouts left. Guys, what do you do? Run! Run! Yeah, last Giants offense coordinator, Ben McAdoo, didn't get the message. Uh, he called a pass, and Ben, next time, Mac-a-don't. Gentlemen, I'm going to issue my Hall of Shame pass to Chip Kelly. He signed the NFL's rushing champion to a $40 million contract in free agency, guaranteeing him $21 million of it. Then hands the ball to DeMarco Murray just eight times in the opener. If I'm Jeffrey Lurie today, I'm wondering about my return on my investment. The Eagles are 0-1, and Murray is all but invisible. <laughs> it is pretty amazing when you think of it. Well, mine is the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers lace curtain defense. Uh, it's one thing to be porous, which they clearly are. It's quite another to not know where to line up or who to cover, especially when that guy is Rob Gronkowski. Now, their headphones may not have been working in the first half, as Mike Tomlin points out, but their heads weren't working the entire game. Now, that didn't happen when Dick LeBeau was running the defense. I'm just saying. <laughs> Friend of the show. Goose. Goose. All but invisible. DeMarco Murray scored two touchdowns for my fantasy football team. You maximize those nine yards. <laughs> maximize them. Okay, let's switch subjects for a minute and move on to San Diego's Antonio Gates, and partly because I, I want to and partly because we're playing to a San Diego audience. So I think we all agree he will at some point be a Hall of Fame candidate and a serious one. So here's my serious question. What impact, at least in your minds, will this four-game suspension for PEDs have on his candidacy? Well, it's not like deflating footballs. Certainly, <laughs> the suspension won't uh, keep him out of the Hall of Fame. You know, if, if, if there are voters with a moral compass that may push his induction back a year or two or even three. But remember... Tight ends have a tough time getting in as it is. He may have to wait one or two or three years, even if he didn't have the suspension. For me, uh, none, really, because if all the guys taking PEDs in the NFL were not eligible for the Hall of Fame, there'd be a little more elbow room in the hall of the bus there. I mean, come on, look at these guys. And then go to the mall and stand there all day long and five two people who look like these guys. I mean, please, we all know what's going on. And uh, it is what it is, you know, the... It, it's long ago got accepted as the only way you can survive in the NFL. Well, both you guys know how difficult it is for tight ends to get into the hall. 
I want to ask you here, if Antonio Gates' career were to end today, would he make it? Mm, borderline. I think he's borderline. borderline. I think he's borderline. He hasn't right. won anything, for one he's thing. He's got two or three years left. Right. I mean, you know, if you don't win anything, that always counts against you, it seems, it, uh, amongst the voters, and he hasn't won anything. But would Tony Gonzalez win? If you don't win, you need incredible stats like Dan Marino and Tony Gonzalez and Barry Sanders. Do you think, since we're talking about tight ends, let's move this forward to uh, Tony Gonzalez since they just talked about him. What about him? We were to vote today, which we are not, but we were to vote today. Does Gonzalez get in as a first ballot Hall of Famer? He does have prodigious, prodigious stats, but as Ron said, you know, he didn't win anything. Yeah, I wouldn't think so, first ballot, but, but it, it, as you guys know, a lot of that depends on who else is up at the time. His numbers are fantastic, and ultimately that's going to uh, – Get him in, but I don't think it's going to get him in on the first ballot. I think the greatest tight end of all time is John Mackey. He had to wait three years. Hey, Goots, Gates or Witten? If you have a choice to put one of those two in, who is it and why? Gates, touchdown. Why? Gates, touchdown. He's the better red zone target. Ron, how about you? Witten, friend of the show. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Well, that's a good reason. <laughs> He's a damn good reason. Yeah, but the same problem here with Witten, as you mentioned with Gates. What has he won? And honestly, yeah. he hasn't won anything. But uh, Gates, he does catch a lot of passes. Gates did a better job of stretching the field. Let's move to, yep, someone who doesn't need anything to enhance his performance when he takes us on his weekly Borges or Bogus segment. That's Ron Borges, Boston Herald, and Talk of Fame Network. Ronnie, I understand you're going to address someone who does need to enhance his manners, so let's hear about it. Yeah, occasionally I get outraged, you know, not very often, but occasionally. And Dominican Sue and Pac-Man Jones engaged in two hideous acts last weekend involving the removal of an opponent's helmet. Sue with his knee and Pac-Man with a tackle that led him to slam Amari Cooper's head against his own helmet after he pinned him to the ground. Neither was ejected from the game, and neither is facing a suspension. Are we talking about football here or rollerball? The NFL is a violent game, we understand that. The actions of both those players went well beyond what should be acceptable. In fact, those actions were bogus. Oakland Raider head coach Jack Del Rio lamented the officials claiming they didn't see what Jones had done and in terms of the play, quote, clearly way over the line. And he coaches the Raiders, they live over the line. Sue acted after the game as if he suffered from amnesia when asked about kicking Washington running back Alfred Morris in the head. While admittedly the camera angles were insufficient and made it slightly difficult to tell if Sue accidentally hit his face mask or did it on purpose, he's got enough priors for five guys, so he's lost the benefit of any doubt. You may recall Sue accidentally stepping on Aaron Rodgers twice and later claiming it was because he had cold feet. Bogus. He accidentally stomped on Packer offensive lineman Evan Dietrich Smith's arm. Bogus. He accidentally kicked quarterback Matt Schaub. In the cojones. Bogus. That's more accents than a demolition derby driver. Sue's been fined eight times since coming into the NFL for shady actions. He's been twice voted the league's dirtiest player. He's one of his best defenders and one of the highest paid players in the NFL. He's also a twit who was going to uh, badly hurt somebody one of these days. Accidentally, of course. All well and good to play with an edge. It doesn't justify going over the edge, which seems to be where Sue too often ends up. <clears throat> for the NFL to try and suspend Tom Brady for four games for deflating footballs, but do nothing when Sue and Pac-Man Jones are trying to deflate somebody's head is simply bogus. Ron, 
do you think the NFL is now gun shy on discipline? If it suspends a player, it just gets overturned an appeal and heaps further embarrassment on the league. So the players don't want discipline, so I give it. I think you're right. I think they are gun shy. I think they are afraid. You know, and then, you know when Tagliabue was running a place there was no discipline uh, because they didn't want the, uh, these kinds of problems. And now they've they've had a multitude of them. Whenever they try to do anything, you see somebody says somebody didn't get due process. And you walk out there with a shotgun and you shoot <laughs> half the team on the other side of the field. Well, you got to give them due process. No, actually, you got to give them the electric chair. But <laughs> you're right. I think that they're very gun shy uh, of doing anything because Dominican Sue should be getting no benefit of the doubt, and I don't even care if he gets due process anymore. Hey, Ron. Yes, sir. Quick thing. Yes. I believe he really wants to uphold the integrity of the game as it professes. Maybe he should start suspending these guys instead of chasing a quarterback who did nothing. Well, I don't mind chasing the quarterback because we don't know what he did, and neither do you. But the fact of the matter is, because they lost that case, should not preclude them from taking action. When These are the kind of things that are going to get people hurt. Okay, we're going to take action. Here we're going to commercial. When we return, it's Rod. He hate me. Smart. It's a Talk to Fame Network. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. I've developed, launched, and marketed over 400 products. Applying for a traditional loan is frustrating. There's paperwork, references, tax forms. You wait weeks for an answer, and you may not get the funds. There's a new way to get funding without the hassle. It's called Cabbage. That's Cabbage with a K. Here's how it works. Go to Cabbage.com, fill out the online application. It takes minutes to complete, and you'll get a decision with none of the waiting. You could have immediate access to a line of credit of up to $100,000. No fees of any kind to set up your line, and you don't pay a cent until you take a loan. It's helpful for a business to have security and flexibility. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. It's provided funds to over 50,000 businesses and has been named one of Forbes' top 100 companies twice in a row. So check out Cabbage.com. That's Cabbage with a K, K K-A-B-B-A-G-E, or call 888-CABBAGE, the number one online provider of small business loans. Right now at Wendy's, get 10 nuggets, fries, and a drink for just 4 bucks. And for a little extra kick, try them with our new creamy sriracha sauce. That's right, 10 hot and crispy all-white meat chicken nuggets, the delicious heat of creamy sriracha, our natural-cut sea salt fries, and a cold, refreshing drink, all for just 4 bucks. That's a whole lot of great food without spending a whole lot of money. Get more for 4 only at Wendy's. Offer includes small fries and a drink. At participating Wendy's for a limited time, prices may vary. Offer not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy for you to create your stunning website. Go to Wix.com and create your website today. It's easy and free. That's Wix.com. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge, on Yahoo Sports Radio. Well, folks, he's got the most popular nickname in sports. He's Rod Smart. He hate me. He hate me. Because I love the game of football. He hate me. Because I will outplay my opponent. He hate me because I'm an outlaw. He hate me. 
We'll get to know Ron Smart much more as this ball game progresses, Jesse, but he, is, he has a cult following as far as that nickname is concerned. Well, I'll tell you what, JR, he is so popular. My wife and mother-in-law of 25 years never liked football until they saw he hate me. Well, we promise you, Rod Smart, former XFL star and Carolina Panthers star, and now we deliver. Rod joins us from Charlotte, North Carolina, who works as a school counselor and where nobody hates him. Rod Smart, thanks for joining us. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> pretty right. good, pretty good. You and Jesse Ventura, what a couple that was there. At, uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember watching Jesse the body Ventura when I was a kid. Sure. Well, in high school, as I understand it, in uh, Lakeland, Florida, I think it was, you were called the Rocket. How did you go from the Rocket to he hate me? Well, uh, I'm not sure, but I can kind of get an idea. You know, if you've got a Rocket in front of you and it's, it's still – it's steady uh, blowing past you. As soon enough, you're going to hate that rocket. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ron, you could put anything you wanted on the back of your XFL jersey, but not in the NFL. Did, did you ever consider changing your name to He Hate Me to keep that name going on the Carolina jersey? I thought about that. You know, and, and you know the, the person that actually did that was uh, – Ocho Cinco, or Chad Johnson, you know, he put down back his jersey. But I thought about that, you know, before he did. Uh, I just kind of thought it would be cool, you know, to be the first to do that in the NFL. But uh, one thing about it, when you do that, you uh, you better bring the noise. And, uh, and see, my, my, my role was kind of different in Carolina than what it was in uh, the XFL with the Outlaws. Uh, I was starting back with the Outlaws, so, you know, I carried more weight. Not saying I didn't carry any weight in Carolina because I did, you know, because I played a big role on special teams. But uh, it just would, you know, when I uh, magnified the whole thing, it just uh, made more sense for me to do that if I was starting running back, you know. We're talking with Rod. He hate me, smart Rod. I apologize for interrupting here, but you always bring the noise. So let me ask you this. The XFL, XFL didn't make it. But it did have a lot of innovative ideas. And maybe the craziest one I've ever heard of or seen was the human coin toss, <laughs> where instead of flipping a coin, this is a true story, to determine the opening kickoff, they put a ball on the ground and had two guys go for it. Did you ever get involved in that? And what would you think of it? No, uh, you know, uh, I, I liked it. I thought it was, uh, you know, fun and funny and uh, all at the same time. But uh, you know, uh, when you know, by the time you know, first game came, I was a star running back, so you know they didn't want to jeopardize me or anyone getting injured, you know, especially a starter. So uh, that kind of how that went. to kind of, uh, but it, you know, at, at the same time, the guy that was a uh, guy to go through the ball was uh, what's his name, uh, Jamal Williams, out of Nebraska. He was a start. He was our starting safety at the time, and uh, so he did. But uh, you know, the thing is about it, you kind of see who's a quicker guy, you know, that's basically what it comes down to. You know, you get your quickest guys on the team and try to allow them to race for the ball and, you know, first one get the ball, you know, that that's how it's chosen. But uh, I thought it was, you know, a pretty cool idea how they did it. And, uh, you know, just a lot of different things they put in play in that league, you know, as far as the uh, no fair catch rule and whatnot. I thought all that stuff was pretty cool and, you know, just something different to kind of change up the game a little. But, uh, you know, I, I totally wish it could have, uh, you know, went longer 
And, uh, you know, I think sometimes, you know, and I don't want to speak for uh, Mr. McMahon, but uh, I think sometimes he probably think he, uh, I believe he probably feel like he should have uh, kept that league going or whatnot. But, uh, you know, um, of course, you know, you, you when you don't get things the way, rolling the way you expect it to, especially, you know, being on the network NBC, you know, uh, you want things to come out on top at the beginning, and, uh, you know, it, it kind of didn't go that way because of, uh, but, but you know, I think I think it would have uh, came around, you know, after a couple of years because, you know, it didn't really, it didn't really uh, cross paths with the NFL because it was in the spring, and, you know, people right. want year-round football. So sure. uh, I think it would have been a, a, a big deal nowadays, you know, it would have been that alternatively from guys leaving the NFL getting cut that they can go play there and uh, still make, you know, decent money and, and still, you know, play something they enjoy playing. That's a good point, Ryan. And, and I know that, you know, that he hate me thing became so big, as I recall, that there were two players from the L.A. Extreme who who came out in a game to play against you, which they had on the back of their uniforms, I hate he and I hate he too. Uh, <laughs> what did you think about that? Did that make you laugh or did you hate them? <laughs> no, I didn't hate them. I, I, I thought it was funny because, uh, you know, uh, I was the original guy getting hated on, and uh, you know, by them uh, copying me, I, I just felt like, uh, you know, I'm, I already felt like, you know, through my years, childhood on up to adulthood, I always felt like a leader, and that kind of showed me that my leadership is very unique in the world. So it was a great thing to see them, you know, try to uh, take my moniker and uh, use it themselves in in, in their own way, and uh, it just shows that uh, my leadership. You know, I passed it down well. And we spoke with Jake Lome recently, and he reminded us that one of his thoroughbred horses he called "She Hate Me." Did you ever bet in that mm-hmm. pony? <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't. Uh, you know, uh, going to school in Kentucky. You know, being you know, going to Western Kentucky, and I would go up with some friends every year for the uh, the Derby. But uh, we we never actually went to the horse race, and that's something I want to really get into nowadays at this time in my life just kind of experience that and um but uh we always go up there for the horse races and stuff and and but not to the actual race but just in, to enjoy the event the event and whatnot in Louisville and um you know I, when, when Jake told me that he did that um I thought it was funny and uh it was pretty neat you know but um I, I don't know how well his horse did, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know I wish that would have brought it some luck or whatnot. Hey Rod, that's the sound you may know well. It means we're almost out of the time. It's the two-minute warning. But thanks so much for joining us, and best of luck going forward. Oh yeah, anytime, man. You know I'm I'm here. Anytime you guys want to contact me and get me on the show, hey, I'm available. I'll make myself available for you guys. Appreciate it. Great. Thanks, thanks Rod. Rod. Appreciate it. That was Rod Smart, and this is the two-minute drill with Ron asking this week's questions. As I said, we don't have much time, so let's get started, Ronnie. Raiders coach Jack Del Rio said Cincinnati cornerback Pac-Man Jones clearly went over the line when he ripped off Amari Cooper's helmet and stuffed his face into it. Isn't he coaching the Raiders? You can take the coach out of Jacksonville, but you can't take Jacksonville out of the coach. <laughs> yeah, he is, but not for long. The last weekend's an indication. Can the Bills make the AFC East a real race this season with defense, a running game, and a loose tie rod? Look south, on the real race coming out of Miami. Yeah, they can, but it's a real race for seconds. 
St. Louis had the smallest home opening crowd in 20 years Sunday with over 20,000 no-shows. What would you do if you lived in St. Louis? I'd be standing in line at Bush Stadium waiting for the Cardinals playoff tickets to go on sale. <laughs> move to L.A. Rumor has it that the NFL may only move one team to L.A. rather than two to let them get established. Isn't L.A. big enough for two teams to get established? As long as you build one of the stadiums on the beach, play where the people are. It is big enough. The Rams and USC. <laughs> there was carnage across the league last week. Is pro football too violent? Yes, but America seems to like violence. Yes, but violence sells. Ask any NFL owner. Yes, but would you let your son play? Yes, I play high school sports and love the experience, but the higher you get, the more violent it gets. Yeah, I'd let him play. I just wouldn't let him play football. <laughs> Adrian Peterson said he plans to rush for 2,500 yards this season. After one game, he's only 2,469 yards short. Does he still have a chance to do what he promised? He has a better chance than DeMarco Murray, who's 2,491 yards away. <laughs> Yes, he does, but in two seasons, not one. Was that Peyton Manning or Archie Manning quarterbacking the Broncos last Sunday? The key Manning in Denver last Sunday was the one manning the lifeboats. Neither. Archie Andrews. Jared Lee Hain, the Australian rugby player signed by the 49ers, fumbled the ball away the first time he touched it. How soon before he's back in Australia? Slow down, Ron. Were you judged on your first story 60 years ago? <laughs> January 4th, or when the 49ers season is over. New 49er uniforms. Love them or hate them? Hate them. The official color scheme is gold and red. Don't see black in there anywhere. Are you kidding? U-G-L-Y. They ain't got no alibi. They ugly. They ugly. <laughs> <laughs> We want to thank Jake DeLone, Brad Johnson, Rod Smart, and Kurt Warner for joining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you want to listen to this or any podcast, just go to our website, talkfamenetwork.com, or find us on iTunes. Otherwise, tune into this station at this time next week when our guest will be Joe Montana. We'll Whoa. enjoy that. Call Quicken Loans now at 800-QUICKEN to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for five years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, license law 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Hi, Tom Bodette trying out this paleolithic diet. You know, the one where you eat the stuff cavemen used to eat? Well, right now, I just want to hunt and gather a pizza. For you, on the other hand, I recommend a steady diet of Motel 6, where you can get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price of any national chain. Sure beats this cave, not to mention the loincloth, which is draftier than I anticipated. Well, I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com.